Welcome, friends. You are listening to the podcast for First Christian Church in Fort Myers, Florida. To learn more, join us online at fccfm.org. It is a blessing to be able to share God's Word with you today. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, FCC. So happy to see all of you here today. If you are joining us in the room or if you are joining us online, we wanna welcome you. If this is your very first time here, we are so happy to see you. My name is Matt and I am one of the pastors here at FCC. Now, I haven't always been a pastor. There was actually a time when I was a football player. Actually, that's probably an exaggeration, but hear me out. When I was a sophomore in high school, I played on our high school football team. Actually, I just practiced on our high school football team. I wasn't good enough to actually play much, but I practiced. Or perhaps I should say the starters practiced against me. (laughs) But I knew my role, and I was so happy to play my part. At five and a half feet tall, I was under no illusions about my athletic prospects. But I practiced, we practiced. We practiced Monday, we practiced Tuesday, we practiced Wednesdays, we had a light walkthrough every Thursday, we had a game on Friday nights under the Friday night lights, followed by a film session and recovery workout on Saturday mornings. On one particular Saturday morning, at least in my memory, it was dark and dreary and it had been raining and the road was quite slick That's my excuse anyway. But I had driven my sister's car to the Saturday morning workout. And we started with our weekly film session where we watched every play from the previous night's game and the coaches, they would record the stats to report to the record keepers and the newspapers and we would uh, critique our game and then we would go into the weight room and we would lift weights and then we would go out to the track and we would run laps for half an hour or so and and then when the, the coaches would turn us loose, most of our team would go home and go back to bed. Not me, I lived on a farm and there was always work waiting to be done. But on this particular Saturday morning, I was in kind of a haze as I was driving home, probably tired from being out late the night before, and I was on this country road that had a one-lane bridge. And it was kind of a long one-lane bridge, and if traffic was approaching, then you'd have to yield because you couldn't both cross the bridge at the same time, and generally the first car crossed, while the oncoming car waited its turn. Well, at least that's what was supposed to happen because I'm pretty sure I was the first car to the bridge ahead of the oncoming truck. Nevertheless, as I was crossing the bridge, the oncoming truck failed to yield. Maybe he didn't see me. The compact car I was driving was metallic blue that probably looked a lot like the wet road. Whatever it was, the truck drove up, drove up on the bridge before he saw me. We both hit the brakes hard. He came to a complete stop in the center of the road, and I skidded my sister's car right into the guardrail on the side of the bridge. Well, then, rather than asking me if I was okay or backing off the bridge, he just smiled a big smile and kept his truck and drive. And I had to back myself out of the guardrail and back off the bridge to let him by because he was not yielding. And for the rest of the time, my sister owned that car. It had a big gash in the front right fender where I crashed into the guardrail. 
And if you're wondering why I didn't call the police or file a report or even stop the man and ask for his insurance information to fix the fender, well, it's because, as I said, I was a sophomore and it was football season, meaning it was the fall of my sophomore year, meaning I was 15 years old, meaning I was neither licensed nor insured. Kids, don't try this at home. I mean, really. And if you're my kids, really, don't try this at home. And so we were stuck with a wrecked car because the car wasn't worth the money that would have been necessary to fix the fender. And my sister drove around with a hole in her front right fender for the rest of her senior year. Now you might ask the question, what does all of this have to do with you? Well, some of you are driving around with a wrecked car of a relationship. And some of those wrecked cars are romantic relationships, and some of those wrecked cars are platonic relationships, but we all have relational wrecks somewhere in our lives. And when you wreck a car, you have a couple of options. Number one, you can restore the car and continue to drive it, or you can assess its long-term viability, total it, and move on. Now, whichever one you do, whichever one you choose to do, and normally it's not your decision, normally it's a decision the insurance company will make, but whichever one you do, whether you restore it or you total it and remove it, you're gonna be pretty sore from the wreck and you're gonna have to heal through it. Well, today we are kicking off our August sermon series called Wrecked and Restored, and we are discovering how to heal our broken relationships. And even if they can't be healed, we are discovering how to heal from our broken relationships. And we're gonna start our series today by discovering the relationships we all need, because the truth is we all need relationships. Now, you may think you don't need relationships, but you do. We all need relationships. Now, not everyone needs romantic relationships, but everyone needs relationships. And so if I could just summarize the main idea of what I want to share with you today, this is it. We all need relationships. We all need relationships, but they need to be the right kinds of relationships if we are going to be healthy and whole. Let me say that again because it's very important. We all need relationships, but they need to be the right kinds of relationships if we are going to be healthy and whole. Well, today we're gonna discover from the Bible the right kinds of relationships. Now, the very first Bible story is the story of creation. It's found in Genesis chapters one through three. And in the creation story, God instantaneously creates the substance of the universe from nothing, and then God forms and molds that substance into what we know today. And toward the end of the creation story, the very last part of God's creation, he creates the creatures that move along the ground, including mankind. Genesis chapter one, verses 27 through 31 says this. So God created mankind in his own image. 
In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds and the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. And then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made. And it was, what? It was very good. Now, I just want you to notice, once God had made, not just male, not just female, but once God had made male and female, he declared it was very good. Once God had created human relationships, then our creation was good. In fact, in the story of Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter two, it highlights this truth even further. Genesis two portrays Adam as being made first, but Adam being alone and isolated and without human relationships. Check out what Genesis 2.18 says about this. It says, and the Lord God said, it is what? It's not good. It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, ladies, please don't be bothered by the phrase suitable helper in reference to Eve. Now I know because of inequalities in our world, it is very easy to be troubled by saying a woman is a suitable helper for a man. In fact, that can grate against our ears. That can sound offensive in our cultural context, but not in a scriptural context. You see, in scripture, a helper is an exalted and valued partner. In fact, in scripture, God is repeatedly called our helper. He's called our ever-present help in times of need. And God is not under man. God is over man. If anything, helper is not a lesser. It is a greater because God, as our helper, is immeasurably greater. There is no greater honor in Scripture than to be called a helper. You see, in a cultural context where women had no rights and no honor, this was giving honor to women and elevating them to at least equal with men. This is an honorable statement in a scriptural context. And so we shouldn't be troubled when scripture calls Eve a suitable helper for Adam. It's not an insult, it's a praise. But that's not my point for our discussion today. My point is very simple. When the man was alone in Genesis 2.18, God said it was not good. But when the man and woman were together in Genesis 1.31, God said it was very good. The point is we all need relationships. For our emotional and mental health, we need relationships. For our spiritual health, we need relationships. You know, even for our physical health, we need relationships. The Harvard Health Newsletter reports, good connections can improve health and increase longevity. Dozens of studies have shown that people who have satisfying relationships with family, with friends, and their community are happier, have fewer health problems, and live longer. Now, we have seen this reality developing disastrously, this truth in real time as our world has shut down over the past year and a half due to COVID. 
without relationships. Depression is higher, substance abuse is higher, and suicide rates have skyrocketed. You see, we weren't made to live in isolation. We were made to be together. We all need relationships. Now, men, if you don't like the word relationships because it doesn't sound masculine enough for you, you can always say it like Solomon did in Proverbs 27, 17. He said, as iron, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Point is, you need relationships. But the greater point is you don't just need any kind of relationships, but you need the right kinds of relationships. If you're gonna be healthy, if you're gonna be whole, then you need the right kinds of relationships because a lot of relationships, let's be honest, a lot of relationships can be rather toxic. A lot of relationships can be damaging, can be dangerous, some of them can even be deadly, and you do not need damaging, dangerous, or deadly relationships, and you are under no obligation to stay in dangerous relationships. And next week, we're gonna talk about when it's okay to walk away. I mean, as Christ followers, we talk a lot about forgiveness and, and, and restoration and redemption and reconciliation, and those are good things. Those are gospel things. But if you read through the scriptures, you're gonna see there are times when God walks away from a relationship. And there are times in the gospels where we will see with our own eyes that Jesus walked away from some relationships, and, and so next week we're gonna discover when it's okay to walk away. But today we wanna to talk about the right kinds of relationships. Next week we'll talk about the wrong kinds of relationships, but this week I wanna tell you about the right kinds of relationships, which are the relationships we all need. See, what everyone needs is a circle of friends surrounding them. Every person needs a circle of friends surrounding them. Now, what does a circle of friends look like? Well, if it's a healthy circle, then it looks like this. If you are inside the circle, then you have friends before you, and you have friends beside you, and you have friends behind you. And if you don't have friends before you, and friends beside you, and friends behind you, then you are not a whole, healthy person, relationally speaking. Now, if you have friends before you, but not behind you, well, that's kind of selfish. And if you have friends behind you, but not before you, well, that can be foolish. And if you have friends before you and behind you, but not beside you, that's gonna be pretty lonely. And I don't know about you, but I don't wanna be selfish, foolish, or lonely. I wanna be whole and healthy, not just physically and spiritually, but also relationally, and so I need a circle of friends. Let me illustrate this from the life of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul is a key figure in early Christianity. He began as opponent of Christianity, but experienced a radical conversion to Christ. He went from persecuting Christians to being confronted by Christ in a vision, then converting to Christianity, and then becoming one of the most important Christian leaders in his history, in, in all of history. But his story would not have been possible without having people before him and people beside him and people behind him. Now, in the New Testament book of Acts, chapter nine, we discover the conversion story of Paul. And we're not diving into that today. You can read it on your own, but we wanna notice something very important in Acts chapter nine. Even though Paul became a Christian, he was not accepted into the Christian community. 
And he was not accepted because people were afraid of him. And they were afraid of him for very good reason. He had persecuted Christians. He had even orchestrated the execution of Stephen. Stephen was the first Christian martyr. And so the Christians were afraid of him and they were skeptical of his conversion. They weren't sure if this was some kind of ploy, some kind of trap, some kind of undercover op to gain intel on the Christian community in its infancy. And so no one wanted to have anything to do with Paul, except for two men in Acts chapter nine, and those two men were Ananias and Barnabas. And each man took Paul under their wing, and they taught him about Jesus, and they baptized him, they helped him find his place and his purpose in life. They literally went before Paul, and they introduced him to the Christian community. They were, they were before him in life, and they were before him in their Christian experience, and they taught him, and they mentored him, and they prepared him, and they poured into him. And then there were also people who went beside Paul. And their relational role was not to pour into him so much as to walk with him, to be with him, to be in the same place in life as him, to work alongside of him. And two men that come to mind if you read the book of Acts are Luke and Silas. Luke and Silas were partners with Paul. They were equals with Paul, if you will. They were together through it all. They, they suffered together and they celebrated together. And then finally, there were the people who came behind Paul. And these are the people Paul poured himself into, the next generation of Christian leaders. And these were men like Mark and Timothy and Titus, younger men whom Paul mentored. And Paul was able to accomplish just these incredible things. And he was able to endure these horrible things. Number one, because he put his faith in a God who saves. And number two, because he was surrounded by the right kinds of relationships. People before him, people beside him, and people behind him. Like Paul, you and I, we need friends before us, we need friends beside us, and we need friends behind us. Our friends before you are those who pour into you. You need people in your life who have gone before you, who invest in you, people who are older than you, wiser than you, more experienced than you, people who will lead you. I have people in my life who are ahead of me, who have gone before me, who pour into me, who are older than me, who are wiser than me, who are more experienced than me, who lead me. And you've probably never heard of Chris Philbeck. But Chris is a guy who, who prays for me and he coaches me and he mentors me and he looks out for me almost every Monday. He calls me to check on me. And now I'm forming similar relationships with our pastor Gary and our executive pastor John Meredith. I mean, these are some incredible men who are ahead of me. They've gone before me. They're gonna share their wisdom with me, their life experience with me. They will pour into me so that I can pour into you, so that I can pour into us, so that I can pour into our church family and into my family too. Any coffee drinkers in the room? Oh yeah. Man, this is good. I'm liking this. Think of it like a, like a pot of coffee. If I have a pot of coffee and I'm constantly pouring coffee from my pot into your mug, then I'm gonna run out of coffee unless someone else is pouring new coffee into my pot. In the same way, if I'm constantly pouring myself out to others, but no one is pouring into me, then what's gonna happen? I'm gonna run dry and have nothing left to give. And that's why we say if you have friends behind you that you're pouring into, but not before you pouring into you, well, that's foolish. 
I mean, if you are constantly pouring yourself out to others, but nobody is pouring into you, that's not healthy. You're gonna run dry. You're gonna have nothing left to give, and you're not gonna be any good to anyone anymore. You're gonna burn out. Have you ever left a coffee pot on the burner when it was out of coffee? What happened to it? Burnt the pot. That's what happens. You need friends, you need mentors, leaders, and teachers before you who will pour into you. But you also need friends beside you. And friends beside you are those who are in the same place in life as you. These are, well, for lack of a better term, these are your buddies. These are the ones you do life with. The people you play with, you hang out with, you go to the movies with, you sit in church with, people you walk alongside of. These are the people you talk to, not always for advice or direction, but just so you'll have someone who will listen. And these are the people you listen to, not to always advise or direct, but just to be there for them. And this is extremely important. These are also the people who know you intimately enough to speak hard truths to you. They're the ones who can call you out when necessary. They're the ones who can help you see your blind spots, because if you don't know this, we all have blind spots, especially when it comes to ourselves. And I'm afraid we do not have enough of this in our relationships, right? We don't have accountability. We don't hold one another accountable. We don't give permission to people to call us out. We're not really iron sharpening iron as Solomon talked about in the Proverbs. Most of the time when someone calls us out, we just put up walls and walk away. Now the other thing about the beside you group, I think this is important. This is where most healthy romantic relationships are formed. Not from those before you or those behind you, but those beside you, those who are equals with you, who are in the same place in life as you. Romantic relationships are ripe for abuse and codependency when one person is so far ahead, so far above, or so far behind the other person in some way. Regardless, everyone needs people beside them who fully know them and who are fully known by them and here's why, because you cannot be fully loved without being fully known. Everyone needs someone to fully know them. Without people beside us, life is awfully lonely. As God said in the Garden of Eden, it's not good for a man to be alone. And finally, everyone needs people behind them. Friends behind you are those you pour into. These are the friends who are younger than you or less experienced than you, who want you and need you to lead them, advise them, coach them, mentor them. The key words here are want and need. I mean, everybody needs someone to pour into them, but the thing is they have to want it as well. And so this is a relationship that requires permission. You cannot lead someone or help someone if they don't want it. But the truth is God has uniquely shaped you and made you through your positive experiences, your negative experiences, and God expects you to use those positive and negative experiences to help others. You know, there are, there are some people who want everyone to pour into them, but they don't want to pour themselves into anyone else. You ever met someone like that? That's selfish. If your friends are there for you, but you're never there for them, that's selfish. Please don't be relationally selfish. 
Pour yourself, your experiences, your wisdom, your resources into others who want and need you in that role. If you wanna be a whole healthy person, you need to pour into others. And oh, by the way, one practical opportunity you have right now at FCC to pour into others is by volunteering in our children's ministry as we transition to two services next month or volunteering to work in our student ministry alongside of our teens and our next generation of FCC leaders. If you're gonna be a whole healthy person, you need people before you who pour into you, you need people beside you who do life with you, and you need people behind you whom you pour into. Now, before I close, I wanna tell you why all this relationship stuff really matters. Here's why. Because long-term transformation always happens in the context of relationships. Transformation, change, it happens in the context of relationships. First Corinthians 15, 33 says, bad company corrupts good character. Proverbs 13, 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Transformation always happens in the context of relationships. Think about it like this. Well, let me ask this question. Any golfers in the room? Raise your hand. Any golfers in the room? Yeah? All right. You want to be a good golfer? Want to be a good golfer? Who do you think you ought to hang out with? Bad golfers? Mediocre golfers? You want to be a good golfer? Who should you hang out with? Good golfers, that's right. You want to be a runner? Who do you think you should hang out with? You think you should join a movie club? You want to be a runner? Who do you hang out with? Right, you, run out with, you hang out with runners. How many of you want to get your body healthier? Who do you think you should hang out with? You want better emotional health? Hang out with emotionally healthy people. You want to laugh more? Find people who are always smiling, who are always happy, who are always laughing. You spend time with them. Anybody like old cars? I love old cars. You know how I got into old cars? I joined a car community. All that's important stuff. It's, it's nice stuff, right? What we're talking about is bigger than that. What we're talking about is far more important than that. It's nice to enjoy life, and it's really, really good to become more emotionally and physically healthy and relationally whole, but what this is really about is discipleship. It's about following Jesus and becoming more like him. 1 Peter 2.21 says we should follow in the steps of Jesus. If that's gonna happen, we're gonna need transformation. Am I right? And transformation happens in the context of relationships. When we have Christ followers before us and Christ followers beside us and people wanting to follow Christ behind us, you know what's gonna happen? we're gonna be more and more like Christ. It's gonna transform our lives. And just imagine for a moment, imagine if all of us, there are hundreds and hundreds of us in this room, imagine if all of us would commit to these kinds of relationships, Christ's followers before us, Christ's followers beside us, Christ's followers, people wanting to follow Christ behind us. If all of us will do that, imagine how this circle will grow this circle will expand exponentially and we will begin to be transformed individually, but it won't just be us. It'll be our, our circle of friends. 
and our small groups and our ministries, and it'll just keep growing. It'll transform our church. It'll transform our community. I mean, Jesus changed the world with 11 guys. Can you imagine what he could do with us? Together, we will become more like Christ if we commit ourselves to the right kinds of relationships. All right, I wanna, wanna leave you with a challenge today, a takeaway, if you will. Every time I preach, I'm gonna wanna give you one thing that you can walk out of here and say, I can do that. So here's our takeaway for today. Don't miss one single sermon in this series. <laughs> That's our takeaway. That's the challenge today. There's gonna be a lot more going forward. But that's the takeaway for today. This is gonna be a powerful, helpful healing series and you need it and I need it. The people around us need it. So be in church every single weekend in August. And oh, by the way, don't forget to bring a, that's right, don't forget to bring a friend. If you're like, yeah, but that, I got vacations planned, I got things going on. Well, you know what? Right at this very moment, our pastor Gary and his family are on vacation. But you know what they're doing at this moment? They are worshiping with us. They're singing with us and they're praying with us and right now they're online and they're participating in this message with us today. And so if you can't make it in person, make sure to follow it online. And if you're following online, I wanna encourage you to like and share so that you can connect as many people to Jesus as possible. Whatever you do as you walk out of here today, make a commitment. I will not miss one sermon this month. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I wanna thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for making us for one another. You have created us to be in relationship with one another. Just like you, as one God exists in triune relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you for forging a relationship with us. Thank you for drawing us back to you. Thank you for bringing us together as a church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen pray this message has been a blessing to you. If we can pray for you or encourage you in any capacity, please let us know at FCCFM.org.